And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Nick. Hey. What's happening? Not much. Where are you? I'm in my house. Where's your house? It's in Boise. I like Boise. Yeah, it's not a bad place. Yeah, how long have you been there? Gosh, like six or seven years at this point. And you moved from Portland, right? Yeah. Do, are you a Portlander or an Oregonian? Did you grow up in Oregon? No, I moved there in 2003. I grew up in Northern California, Mendoc- oh. Mendocino. I could say those two things and be accurate about myself. I grew up in Northern California, and I moved to Portland in 2003. I didn't know that. Where, where did you grow up? Mariposa. It's That's familiar. It's by Yosemite. It's, uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. It's like, you know, there's 5,000 people that live there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Wow. It's beautiful, though. Yeah. So you grew up in Mendocino County. Yeah. All right. That's pretty up there. It is. Coastal. 
Yeah, there's. I, I actually grew up near the closest town that we were to is Manchester, California, which is three hours north of the Bay, an hour south of Mendocino. Uh, mm-hmm. I went to high school in Mendocino. So it's so all these little towns there. I had friends in all the different little towns. Yeah. Do you ever go back? Every once in a while. My parents still live there. Yeah. So usually like once a year. Yeah, I always want to go to that little corner of Northern California. And most of my traveling is rock and roll touring. It's never on the path. I mean, yeah. it's never even with a day off. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, I guess that's what makes it special. <clears throat> I always want to go to Bo- Bodega Bay, which I know is south of it, but yeah. I love it up there. Yeah, that's a good spot too. So how's um, Boise feeling these days with the vaccination rates and the infection rates? And um, how are you feeling about it? I think that we're doing okay. Yeah. I don't really know. I've kind of lost touch with it a little bit. I mean, yeah, people are wearing masks more now. I mean, at a certain point, it seemed like people weren't wearing masks. And, you know, as you know, we have a lot of anti-vaxxers here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was weird. Like, right before Tree Fort, I heard, like, all the hospitals were full. And, you know, there was talk of not doing the festival. But as you probably know, they went they went through with it. Yeah. How did it go? It went fine to me. I mean, I didn't see a lot of shows, but um, mm-hmm. my show went well, and I just I decided to go through with it because I don't know. Like, I'm still going to work. I'm still going to store. You know, I figured you know might as well. It seemed like safer than the other places I go. In some ways, you know? right? Probably is. What'd you get into over the um, last year and a half? It sounds like you worked. Were you able to keep working? Yeah, I was, my wife and I were in India right before the pandemic set in fully. So we left early February, February 5th of, what year would that be, 2020? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. it's confusing, (laughs) that little zone right there. Yeah, we were there, you know, until late March. And before we left, you know, we were hearing kind of rumors about about it all, you know, and we were just kind of brushed it off. And then, you know, by the end of our trip, it was, it was full, like full effect. Um, and so we barely got back. Um, India was sh- shutting down wow. right before we got back. And it was, it was kind of, kind of intense, stressful time getting back to the States. Do you have kids? Yeah. Did you take the kids too? No. He, okay. he was with his mom. What'd you do over in India? We traveled around. We met up with some friends. We went, uh, kind of the early, you know, the, uh, Hard Hardwar, which is kind of like the beginning of the Himalayas, and you know went to different temples. Yeah, kind of just traveled around and met up with people. Man, I want to go. I I've heard nothing but great things about India. Yeah, this is my second time, and it, I definitely saw more places this time, and kind of just made more connections. So I don't know. It's it's always good to be with some older people that know. Yeah. <laughs> you can easily get taken advantage of. Actually, the first time I went, I, I was hypnotized. I, I'm pretty sure I was anyway. Really? Yeah. This old older man started talking to me. He had like really intense eyes and I started giving him stuff. You know, first I just, I, I liked him. He was very charming, you know, and I started giving him things and I found out that he wasn't allowed to be where we were staying, but I kept giving him you know, food and different things. And he, he became like, kind of like upset that I wasn't giving him more. Anyway, 
Whoa. Yeah. And, and I kind of snapped out of it. I was realizing that this guy's like, you know, keeps kind of taking from me. And yeah, I, I felt like he, I was under a spell. <laughs> so when you say he wasn't, or from what you gather, he wasn't supposed to be where you were, was that, were you breaking cast rules or something? Um, I don't think so. I mean, where we were, that, that wasn't really uh, a thing so much. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I heard that he was, you know, he was unreliable and, or, you know, did some very questionable things. Hmm. Yeah. Regarding women and different things. So. I'm interested in this and I always have been, and I don't know anything about the caste system really. When you're over there, do you see it or feel it? Um, so a lot of the temples we went to, you know, especially the Hare Krishna temples, you know, Vaishnava temples, that's kind of a big part of their teaching is that we're not our bodies. And mm-hmm. so uh, it actually doesn't matter which caste you're born into, mm. you know. And so, you know, there is a hierarchy. There's like the Sudras, the Vaishas, then the Kshatriyas, and then the Brahmins, you know, being the highest. But, you know, according to this tradition and, you know, Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Gita, it doesn't matter at all which caste you're born into because ultimately you're not your body. And um, these are just material designation is the idea. Okay. Um, this is my last cast question, <laughs> and maybe you know this answer, maybe you don't. As a visitor, how do you fit into a caste system? That whole thing about the guy, you know, that was hip, maybe hypnotized you mm-hmm. being quote unquote where he wasn't supposed to be, it, it spawned a thought that you are automatically in some, a visitor is in some sort of level of the caste system. Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I didn't really think about that too much when I was there uh, and experiencing it, but um, I thought of it more as that, you know, I'm I'm a Westerner and probably fairly easy to take advantage of, or you know, thought of it more in that way. Yeah. Okay. So when you guys got back, we were full on pandemic. You made it back, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And what'd you get into in the last year besides, I'm assuming, making music? Yeah. So when we first came back, you know, I really missed my son. I couldn't, you know, we had to quarantine for two weeks. So we were just held up in the house, you know, and I had a bunch of shows and a tour that spring, you know, of course it all got canceled and, and I had some other work that was canceled, uh, carpentry work. And then I didn't know what I was going to do at all for money. And then um, it was really interesting. Like the first time we left our house after, you know, just resting for like three days, um, I walked by this house, like a block from where we live that I've always been curious about, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of bamboo and like different things and like, uh, the sculptures and things. And I always wanted to meet the person that lived there. And, uh, right when we walked by it, this guy came out to greet us and, uh, he started showing us around and brought us in and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, real eccentric guy and, uh, kind of a hoarder too, but like his house is like all these elaborate tree forts, you know? Wow. And addition upon additions. And, and he, he kind of created his own ecosystem because he planted all these trees. He's been in the place since the early eighties. He's planted all these trees. So it's like, you know, it's all dark and he's irrigated the whole thing. So it feels like 10 degrees cooler in there. Um, he showed us all these kind of half finished projects. And then basically, you know, I, at the end of our tour, you know, in our talk, I told him, Hey, like I do carpentry and, uh, and I need some work. So I'd love to help you. 
and I've been working with him ever since. Uh, so I don't know how many years. It's almost been two years or over two yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So you get to work in a, a groovy environment, to it's, say the least. It's pretty groovy, yeah. I get to be a little creative and um, just kind of work with the materials he has. He has different houses in Boise, too. I, I, I love him. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's very, uh, well, he's a hoarder. So, yeah, he's always bringing new things in. Right. You know, it's hard to keep track of it all. <laughs> up any new habits good ones bad ones um we definitely started doing more yoga oh, um yeah. yeah i mean I, a bad one huh yeah real it's really bad it's like every day i gotta do it no i'm not too serious about it i mean at some point we do it a few times a week but yeah, i've only done yoga like every once in a while when i really needed to but it's been a more of a consistent thing and qigong too what's that I don't really know much about it other than that you you move your chi around. Mm. So, yeah, you just do, like, different poses where you move the chi around. Oh. That's kind of all I know. I think that'll be my – I'll do that after I get into yoga. I've, I've always wanted to try, and I'm assuming I will like yoga, but I just <laughs> I just haven't done it. Yeah, it's funny, like, growing up in Northern California – being kind of a hippie bubble i feel like i kind of rebelled from a lot of the hippie culture like i don't know like i i didn't really care too much about reggae you know right. i wasn't so into yoga i stopped smoking pot in my early 20s you know because i don't know that was such a big thing where i grew up right um, and then now it's minus the uh i still don't smoke pot but um but yeah like yoga <laughs> and like reggae you know these these <laughs> things they're like really exciting to me now it's right funny. Oh, the things we reject. Yeah. I hadn't heard really good reggae. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, right. what, was, what they were playing when I was a kid, but I wasn't into it. I had to hear like the good, the good stuff. Right. Blue Scratch Perry and Curly Bob. Well, one of the first shows I went to, like big shows, was a reggae show at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. Oh, yeah. With my friend's parents, and I think we were 13 or 14. <laughs> and, you know... No offense to the sort of middling 80s sounding reggae bands. I wasn't terribly excited. Yeah. It didn't feel like it had roots to it. It yeah. felt like it was a, an attempt to cross over to radio, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I didn't dig in until I got introduced to Dub. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we ever, did we ever meet in Portland? Well, I don't think we did, did we? We may have, I remember you played a show for, or you were playing drums for our friend Ray Castanets yeah. project. So that was the first time I feel like we were like in the same room. I feel like right. we may have met then. That's right. I ask because I remember very clearly the first day that I heard that Let It Die, Shaky Hands record. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isaac Brock played it for me and... I was over at his house. It was in the morning, and he was like, man, I got this record last night. Listen to it. And we we ended up doing a bunch of weird errands that day, I remember, and we listened to the record all day. I love that record. And and it 
I grew up listening to the Minutemen, and then I, at that point in my life, I was also listening to the Groundhogs and Blue Oyster Cult. Okay, yeah. Because of the Minutemen and Watts touting of Blue Oyster Cult. And the shaky hands were like, that record was just like a current embodiment of all of that music that I, I really liked. It was like, who the fuck is this band? Because I had never seen you, and I, I know Jake now, but I didn't know him back then. Um, yeah, he played drums on that one. Yeah. Anyways, great record, great band. And then I got a tape from Yanni, and it was that Death Songs Oh, yeah, cassette. that's right. Yeah, he made those. <clears throat> Yeah, he dubbed it. I went to his house and he dubbed it for me right there. Yeah. Hot off the press. That's so cool. Anyways, when we lived in Portland at the same time, you were in some amazing bands. Yeah. Um, It's interesting you brought up that Let It Die record because we made that right when I got back from India the first time. Oh, okay. Um, And that was really cool because during that time, I I think I was in India for like two and a half months and when I came back, you know, I didn't bring a guitar with me or anything. So I had this kind of music fast. I mean, I was listening to a lot of the street music there, but, you know, playing music, I didn't do it all. So when we got back, I was just, I remember just having this uh, really intense craving to play with the band. And actually, Yanni picked me up from the airport right when I got back. So I was gone mm-hmm. for two and a half months and we had to play South by. So he picked me up from the airport and we drove in the van with the rest of the band to South by, you know, straight shot from Oregon to Texas. And we didn't practice at all. They had practiced together without me. We just start, we just played our show without it. I mean, you know, we, we played a little bit during the sound check. But, uh, so that was super intense to all to just like jump into that. And I, yeah. I, I was so ready for it. Like I, I was hankering to play with the band. And, and then right when we got back from South by, we recorded at Jackpot Studios and, and had all those new songs and stuff. And so that was another cool thing. Those songs were kind of written kind of right before we recorded them. And we didn't really overdub a lot. We didn't overthink too much, which is fun. Whatever you did, good job. Thank you. Amazing. As well, Childhood Pastimes is amazing. I, do we call it an EP? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's four songs. Yeah. It's about, I guess it's a short EP. I don't know how. It's 12 minutes. Yeah. I don't what's know. the measurement? I yeah. Don't know. I think EPs are generally like, just half an album's length. Yeah. And you said that you, you played at the Tree Fort Fest. Have you been playing these songs? Have you played any of these songs live yet? I've been playing them solo, yeah. I'm in the process of putting a band together for it. The idea is to play the whole thing in its entirety with a band. All right. Do you have um, any touring planned yet? No, I don't. I'm a little bit discouraged booking shows right now. I've, I had a handful this fall that were just postponed. It's hard to put energy into that because it's, you know, ever-changing. Yeah, I know. Wild world we live in. I did have the fortunate experience of being able to tour for eight-ish weeks, and it all went pretty well. It was with a bigger band. So it was fairly organized, and there's money at stake, so everyone takes more precaution, I guess, and people are maybe more interested in making sure we can all play shows but still there was shows canceled and the last four shows were canceled and it even that again i I felt fortunate that we got to play 25 or six shows but even having those last four (laughs) canceled it was felt like the rug was pulled out 
you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, I guess I'm bratty, you know, or we're all bratty <laughs> about it. It's like, what you don't, we do this. <laughs> this is our job. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you can get out there. Maybe yeah. do a Northwest tour or something. Um, Springtime next year. Well, until then, I'd like to play The Affair. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right, here it goes. Have a love affair. Have a real good time. Never meet me there. Never tell me why you left with him and thought I'd cry. We submit ourselves to some plan you can carry out. Anything the man you used to love, now you hate.
awesome song. Thanks, man. I love it. it. Sounds familiar to me. Yeah. I think he played the drums on that. Oh, that's why. He came down to Portland. We didn't really rehearse at all. He just kind of came in and did it. Yeah. It was really fun. We're, we did that with Ryan Oxford. Yeah. Right? What is his studio called? It's called The Center, or I've heard it called The the Center of Sound and Light. Color, oh, that's right. Oh, wait, care, color Therapy? I'm forgetting Also now. that. <laughs> yeah. I think some people just call it The Center now. It's a great spot. It is. Man, it was fun playing drums and percussion in there. Did you record all of these songs there? No, uh, it was all done in Boise here at a studio, my friend Zach House's studio. Okay. So it seems to me like sonically these songs are very closely tied together and in fact even the way they're sequenced they're tight together. Is there a concept behind that? Is it like one piece of music to you or Yeah, I you know, I basically had a bunch of unfinished songs and I was I was getting kind of frustrated. I didn't know how to end end them they didn't feel complete on their own. So I actually came from just kind of frustration. And then I realized that they could work together, you know, and I kind of wrote parts to connect them. So it's kind of like starting from the first song, it just felt like a big bridge that I just, I just decided to keep going. Lyrics just kind of fell into the spots in an interesting way. I mean, that happens, but I don't know. It kind of, it was like a different experience for me with how the lyrics came together. And I didn't set out to make a concept album, you know, or, or, a or like a rock opera kind of thing at yeah. all. It just kind of started happening. And I realized lyrically I was, you know, I was, I kind of treated all the songs like, you know, as one. And I actually played them. I played the whole thing continuously. So I just played it with a guitar and a kick drum from start to finish and then so and then added to there oh okay yeah it's um it's very interesting how it is all tied together and it's just has a very it's very cohesive i don't know it's just really mysterious how it's tied together for me how do you play the songs live right now do you just play with acoustic guitar yeah um acoustic guitar and then i have i have a kick drum with like a delay on it so i have like a contact mic taped on there and then so there's some there's like a one repeat delay that i play to which i've done a lot with recording but um, i just recently started doing that with the live show so i've just been doing it that way and then you know i have i have two microphones the second microphone has a lot of reverb on it so that's kind of been my solo setup yeah it's interesting how helpful delay is as a metronome isn't it yeah especially when it's you know it disappears it makes it so much looser and it, it keeps it ringing in your head yeah. for some reason. Different than a metronome, which is just clicking in your head. Right. I used to make my own click tracks, and they would always have delay on them. That's the way. Such a good idea. Yeah, I think I was definitely inspired to do that from a lot of the dub music I was listening to. And that's, yeah. that's kind of the magic of that music. you know. And I've heard that's, the, how, the, that's how reggae was created, was that you know the, the chink chink. That second beat was was just the delay of it. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. built the whole groove around that. Right. So that's kind of just been the most exciting thing to me because I've always liked electronic music, and I've always been really attracted to music that is like equal parts organic and synthetic. You know, so like the last full length I did redesign. It's like every song was basically kind of like the groove was built upon this playing to the delay thing. You know? Yeah. 
and like what you're saying is so true. That's why I love about it too, is that it's, it's not like a metronome. It's not as harsh and it's like, you can kind of push and pull with it. Yeah. Right. But you're, but you're locked in at the same time. I really think it's the answer. Yeah. It's the answer. It's the answer. It's the rhythmic answer. Um, I also had a weird thought the other day when I was listening to this record and my favorite audience, which is my seven-year-old, and I was singing The Affair to him uh-huh. <laughs> and faking the words I didn't know. But I was just kind of singing along and then it stopped playing and we started doing something else. And and I kept singing it and I just I was like tapping my foot. And then he started clapping his hands, which is kind of out of the ordinary. And I just, I was like, okay, if I ask him to clap his hands and keep a rhythm, he won't do it. So he just kind of kept it going. And I just started repeating something from the affair. And you could sing that song without anything. Oh, that's cool. You could just clap your hands. Yeah. I'm not a producer, but, you know, (laughs) if you're ever feeling it, solo, just try it. You got to get everyone to sing along. Maybe we could do a remix. Yeah, just hand claps, foot stomps. I'm not thinking like the Lumineers foot stomp kind yeah. of thing. There's something about the rhythm of that song that that <laughs> I think it'd be pretty rad. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like. That. Yeah, at least or try it with seven year olds. Who knows? That's a great idea. You've been listening to any music that you can't stop listening to? New music, old music. Reggae music. Oh man, um, I go on music fasts. Actually, not totally intentionally, but um, and I've always done this. Recently, my wife was she was reading the uh, the Artist Way. I don't know if you know anything about that book. I know of it, but I don't really know. I can't talk on it. Yeah, I can't either. But there's just this one part where she was actually recommending not reading, and I I kind of took that you know also not listening to music either you know, going through like a fast, how that's actually really good for creativity. And so I, like I said, you know, I've been doing this for years where I just intentionally just don't listen to anything. And it, I don't know, it kind of like cleanses the palate, you know, in some ways. Um, so I feel like I'm in one of those phases where I'm not really listening to anything. And when you are fasting, are you playing music or creating music? Or is it completely separate? Yeah, usually I start writing more usually, you know, like keep the practice of connecting the synapses or whatever, you know. But then, yeah, I mean, I also go through phases where I just, I only absorb other people's ideas, you know, whether it's reading or listening. And the last time I went through a big phase of that, I got really into the Nina Simone covers album that she did. Yeah. I've been obsessed with that one for a long time, but I kind of recently got obsessed with it again. I'm, I'm addicted to reading books right now, I think. And I want to write more, but I'm a little bit scared. Mm. I wonder if I stopped reading, if I would write more. You should try it out. I'm going to try it out. Yeah. I'm glad we've had this talk. She also talked about, and something I've thought about too, is you know not just like necessarily reading books, but the, the like little bit of reading we do like constantly, like with social media. Yeah. How it all these like little things that we absorb our mind in eventually can kind of like the ideas that they like clog, clog things up, you know, all this kind of useless information. Yeah. I can see that and feel that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to let you go here. Okay. It's been nice to talk to you. Yeah. I hope to see you soon. That would be great. I'd love Maybe that. the springtime. Let's do that. Yeah. But first, what are you most looking forward to in the next few months, year? 
That's a good question. I'm looking forward to kind of like going, I don't, a, a thing in the winter that's always nice is like really going internal, you know, like uh, really isolating, <laughs> but like in a good way, you know, not in an unhealthy way. Um, and I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Getting some healthy routines, trying to have a healthy mind, I guess. I'm going to do the same. All right, man. I hope to see you. And if you travel, travel safe, please. You too. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. See you later, Joe. Bye. I can walk along the outside. I can live all on my own. Don't need to be so tight down to the phone. Gonna sever the ties to this wicked world. Gonna straighten out and forget what I've learned. Gonna live on the outside and never look in. There's nothing to see when you've had it. There's a little path through the cold, dark woods. What's on the other side? Don't know, but I should We spoke at the same time Then it happened over and over and over It could be so nice To stay along the outside Look it over Drown.
light At the end of the road We're almost there Gonna make it 